The following episode is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. sacred sex, shame-free, intimate sex? You want to have it all? You want to create fulfilling, intimate, passionate sex? You want to be adventurous and move beyond any limitations of the past? Well, join us for this episode from the free love sexual revolution of the 60s to truly understanding the meaning of sacred sexuality as we're joined by marriage and individual therapist, couples therapist, and podcast host, Helen Hillix. We're going to talk about how sex can be a deeply fulfilling and ecstatic experience and truly grow real intimacy. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I am thrilled to have Helen Hillix on the show today, and we're going to be talking about sacred sexuality. We're going to be talking about your summit that's coming up. Helen, give me some of your background. Like, how did you get interested in sacred sexuality? Well, that is a really good question. And I always think of it as a twofold process. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, you know, before most of you were born. And during that time, there was this conflicted uh, impulse in the society. There was the sexual revolution on one side. And on the other side, there was still the very prevalent puritanical era. And I grew up in the Bible Belt, you know, in Missouri. So it was really prevalent, that conflict between the desire to be liberated sexually and to be part of this sexual revolution. And it was during the hate Ashbury period, you know, when people were dropping acid left and right. And it's just like, you're supposed to do everything with everybody. And then also there's this puritanical judgmental whole presence in your life, whether you were aware of it or even whether you liked it or not, it was still there. And so I grew up feeling really conflicted about sex. And even though I was wild and promiscuous and, you know, that ended up leading to abortion and I got into a lot of abusive situations and it was really not a sacred sexual experience at all. And I had always had kind of an underlying spiritual quest energy, not necessarily religious, but a spiritual quest awareness. So I was confused, really confused. I wasn't following my own inner guidance. I was going along with the peer pressure. So, you know, I bring that into my life and it wasn't for decades later after I had already become a licensed therapist that I was introduced to sacred sexuality. And that just, oh my goodness, opened me up so much, you know, to a much deeper physical pleasure, to the alignment with who I really was, and the opportunity to have a much deeper intimacy during the experience, which was much more integrated. But it fit, you know, it fit me so much better. And then during those 35 years that I've been a licensed therapist, 
I have come in contact with countless clients, you know, whether they're gay, bisexual, straight, fat, thin, old, young, male, female, you know, it doesn't matter. Everybody's craving that deep connection. So what is the definition of sacred sexuality? Well, you know, you mentioned that I'm going to be doing a summit. I've interviewed about 60 people now for an hour each, each one who is an expert in sacred sexuality. And let me tell you that there are, you know, there's a lot of unifying commonality, but there are 60 different definitions of what sacred sexuality is. For me, I think of it in a very simple way as the body-mind-spirit connection, and that I, I don't feel like people get the full fulfillment that sexuality has to offer if they aren't also able to feel the oneness connection during that experience, and if they're not feeling safe in their body. And so there are lots of different components, but the mind-body-spirit integration feels like a, a good foundational place to start talking about it. So I keep it very simple. That's so important, though, because I think what a huge distinction between just the sex act and having something that actually can be transcendent in experience. Absolutely. And, you know, we live in a society, Stephanie, it makes me laugh, even if it weren't so sad, it it makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous. But we live in a society that promotes buy the latest sex toy get your boobs done, have that clitoral shot, you know, the O shot, use this particular porn video to really get you into hot sex. We're taught to have this superficial focus, whether it's about sex or anything else, but it certainly flows over into sex and it trains us to stay in the pursuit of that white hot sex And that's how it ought to be. And here's the quick answer to it. And that just keeps you in this one realm. And like you were saying, it it doesn't allow for that ecstatic experience that's possible. And that whether you think so or not, it's what you're longing for is that ecstatic element to sexuality Because, you know, why do we do drugs? Why do we meditate? Why do we do yoga? Why do we do breath work? You know, why do we hike to the top of Mount Everest? (laughs) You know, why do people jump out of airplanes? We're all looking for that ecstatic experience of connection to the oneness. And you can have it in sex, but you're not going to get it watching porn or only using a toy. I'm not saying that even that videos can't be helpful, but it's not going to come just from that kind of focus, that kind of titillation. I feel like so much these days, our society is so hardwired for immediate gratification. And that's what I hear, you know, when I hear you talking about that, it's like, okay, I want to have the exact experience as quick as possible that's hit the G spot, hit the climax, and there it is, immediate gratification instead of how you can delve deeper and truly be intimate with someone and go to that deeper level where you're experiencing them, heart, mind, body, and soul. And that's what takes you to that deep divine level. 
Yeah, I love your way of talking about it, Stephanie, the 18-inch journey, which is from the genitals to the heart. And that says it, that's a great, succinct, ear-catching way of talking about it. You know, whenever we talk about inches, of course, everybody's mind immediately goes to the length of the penis. I mean, seriously, it's just like immediate, immediate. And, And that's another thing. We have so many preconceived ideas about what things should be in order for them to be good. You know, she should have big breasts. He should have a big, thick penis. And a lot of this sadly comes from pornography that, you know, porn stars are disproportionate in terms of average people. And, you know, men who get onto porn sites and so forth, they can't help but it reinforces every single time that they're inadequate because they don't look like this guy. And the same thing with women. They don't have the tiny, tiny little, probably surgically removed labia that makes their vulva look like they're 12 years old and shaved it too, of course. So we have these incredibly painful mistaken beliefs about what is attractive. And it's such a broad spectrum. There's so many things though. I want to say before I go on, there are so many changes happening that I'm so excited to see. You know, there is a wonderful coach named Pamela Madsen that I interviewed because she was referred by another speaker from my last summit. And she is representing, don't change a thing about yourself. It doesn't matter if you're fat and old or you're skinny and young or you have this or you don't have that. It's like every single human body can be incredibly sexy. And it's so much about how you feel about yourself. You know, I did a webinar, which I I was just thinking about a minute ago that I need to repeat, uh, which is about loving yourself and loving your body and loving sex. And it's like you have to have all those pieces in, in order to love sex. You cannot have the wonderful sex that you dream of and the sacred sex that you dream of unless you think your body is sacred. Absolutely. I just had a conversation with Christian Strang. She's a best-selling author, and she was sharing about exactly that, about if we're going to become incredible lovers, we have to be incredible lovers of ourselves internally and externally first. And she really spoke about befriending the yoni which is a term for female genitals, and literally just waking up in the morning and putting your hand on it and and just holding yourself and touching yourself there. It doesn't even have to turn into anything sexual. It's fine if it does. But literally loving and befriending that part of ourselves that sometimes, you know, as women, so many women that I work with even say, I don't ever even want to look at it. It's something I just, I don't, I just don't pay attention to it. You know, they have all these body concept images of it, and it doesn't look like the porn stars. Right. And it's so sad to me. You know, some people are maligning Gwyneth Paltrow and her Goop series, but I I watched it on Netflix, and I have to say I enjoyed very much. And one of the things that she was talking about was female sexuality. And she had this woman on it. It's dodsonandross.com is the website. And this is a woman, you know, my age, 70 or 
yeah, I think she's older even. And she was a rebel, you know, in, in loving the yoni, in loving the female vulva, and distinguishing between the vagina, which is just the passage, and the whole external genitalia is the vulva. And it's like we don't even know what to call it because we're so unfamiliar. And she said, you know, if you have not taken a mirror and looked at yourself and your vulva and examined it and pulled apart the labia and looked at them, then that's a place to start, you know, is just familiar and loving it, seeing it as a a beautiful and describing it to yourself. Oh my goodness, I love the way the inner labia are convoluted and or fluted, you know, are fluted and pink and look at the different colors and the different shapes and textures and this goes back to our society too, is that women are really taught, whether it's subliminal or, or out in the open, that female genitals are ugly and to be hidden. And we get to claim our yoni as a flower, as a beautiful, beautiful part of us. And as a, the entrance to incredible ecstasy, again, it's a portal to ecstasy. And it's like, you know, not everybody has a portal to ecstasy like that. So I I just think it's an amazing change. I'm glad you brought that up. And I love the word yoni and lingam for the penis. And maybe I love them just because they don't have such an association to me with those shameful times or discussions or whatever, you know, yoni and lingam are the tantric names and they're so pretty. It's like, but we get to claim those too. You can call it whatever you want, but loving your yoni as a part of your body and exploring all of your body too, not just the yoni is so important also because otherwise sex just gets genitalized. And men, you know, absolutely are taught to genitalize not just their sexuality, but all of their feelings go to their penis. You know, I feel needy or insecure. I'm going to have sex. You know, I feel angry and I want to prove my manhood. I'm going to have sex. I feel such a longing for connection and and affection. I'm going to have sex. So, you know, that's one of the things I, I really advocate for everybody is to take time, slow down, And let yourself explore all the pleasure in your body. And you may spend 15 minutes just gently caressing kind of a tickling energy on the back of your hand and your lower arm. And it's like that can be so delicious and arousing. Helen talked about the importance of befriending our bodies, becoming comfortable with seeing and touching our bodies. But how do we experience sacred sexuality on an expanded level? And what are the elements in creating sacred sex? You know, I love the whole concept of having sacred sexuality with life. If you realize that it's a mind, body, spirit experience of connection, then you can have that with your dog. And your dog is so cute. I mean, I know you have that with your dog and I have it with my dogs. You can have it with nature. You can have it with your clients. 
you know, and it's all in what we think of as a non-genital way, but but the genitals are included because they're part of our body, mind, spirit experience. It's like once you realize you can be turned on to life, then it gives you more motivation to do something about the blocks that are there, you know, the blocks to sacred sexuality. And we've talked all about the blocks in a genital kind of way, you know, the pleasure of the genitals and learning to love them. But there are so many other blocks that get in the way. And, and I know I'm I'm not really talking to you about this. I'm talking to the audience because you already know all of this so well. But it's so important, though. Yeah, let's talk about what some of these blocks are. And, you know, I do want to make a comment, too, because I think it's so important in sexuality and in creating sexuality, as you were talking about, if we can slow down and explore each other's bodies in those ways, I think that is one of the essential pieces. If you have a partner that you are in love with, that you're connected to, because it isn't just below your waistband, that sensual parts, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that deep connection happen. And I think, you know, for me, some of the most turned on places in my body were my wrists, the bend in my elbows, the nape of my neck. It had nothing to do with genitals at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think more people are like you in that regard and just don't know it. Well, they've never taken time, right? Right, right. They've never taken time. We get into relationships and we know that you do X, Y, and Z, and then you're going to both have an orgasm and boom, that felt great. Love you, honey. Let's watch some TV. And then we really miss it, right? Then we've, we've truly missed the mark of what this experience can be. Yes. So I love what you're saying about slowing down. Oh my gosh, what a great idea in all of our lives. And, you know, just slowing down for a minute. One of my speakers, Destin Garrick, I don't know if you've heard of him from the Evolved Man. He talks about assigning his clients to set an alarm for themselves once an hour, all waking hours for a week. And when the alarm goes off, you focus on your breathing for one minute, just one minute. And you'll be amazed at how that impacts your ability to have sacred sexuality, because really what you're practicing there is presence. And that's what you're talking about too. When you're talking about slowing down is that it allows you to be present in this moment. And that's another thing we are absolutely not taught to do in our society. In fact, pay no attention to this moment. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Always, all, we're always looking ahead or looking behind. And we are absolutely not taught to pay attention to this moment that we're in. And it sounds so ridiculously simple. And it is But because we are not taught that and we have so many conflicting messages coming in, that is, we don't do it. Yeah, we're constantly distracted. And I just had this image as you were speaking about that of a couple having sex and, you know, the wife is thinking about, okay, I got to do the laundry and then I've got to pick up this. And, you know, and so it is, it's such a practice of being present in our bodies and not dissociating during sex. And when you're talking about roadblocks to sacred sex, one of the roadblocks is that we don't spend a lot of time in our bodies unless we are practicing or are in the practice of being present. 
Yes. And, you know, I'm sure like myself, so many people have an Apple watch and I didn't ask for it, but my Apple watch reminds me to stop and breathe 60 seconds. And it's like, you know, the people who developed that app on Apple and it's just a natural thing that Apple does for you. It's like, it's, it's in our awareness you know, it's in your Apple Watch. So it's in the cultural awareness now that you need to stop and breathe. You need to focus in the moment. And so it's it's that universally available. And that's the good news is it's free. It's available. It's something you can start right now. And it will have an enormous impact on your sex life and and all of the rest of your life. So getting back to what some of the blocks, you know, another one of my speakers, I think it was Jim Benson, who said, we've all been oppressed. We have all been oppressed. And I, that, you know, even though I've had 35 years of experience in the counseling field, it's like that very succinct statement really touched me because it's so true. And we don't like to think of it as true. We like to think that, oh, that didn't traumatize me. That didn't bother me. And that was in the past. And again, because of the way we're taught in our culture, we just want to jump over all these things that happened. And whether it was your dad saying, you're putting on weight, you should really watch what you eat. That's oppression and that's traumatic. And, you know, or whether it's actually being molested by someone. It doesn't have to be that intense or that severe for it to be oppression. We are all raised in a society that oppresses us and says you must be thin. You should do everything you can to pretend like you're still young. If you don't like the way this looks or that looks, cut it off or puff it up or you know whatever. We are not taught to take a breath and get some support and dive deep into, I wonder where I learned this pattern of being submissive that has made me feel oppressed all my life. Or I wonder where I got the habit of feeling like my financial success was all I'm worth. You know, I had a client yesterday who's an airline pilot and he's had such a painful experience. This is his story of being a Mexican-American who's really, really smart and got scholarships to great schools where everybody was white and wealthy except him. And then he got to be a pilot and then he picked a wife who wanted a certain high lifestyle and ended up treating him like he was just a paycheck. So it's like the habit that he's never enough just gets imprinted on him and then on the job search and then on the marriage and then on his kids and how he was so angry that they felt entitled and didn't appreciate him. They, they wanted stuff. And, you know, it's like these are the things that we don't want to look at, but they totally interfere in our ability to have sacred sexuality or even intimacy. Forget the sex, but especially sacred sexuality. You're not going to have that if you're bringing all these insecurities and resentments and self-hatred and judgments into the bed. That's not sexy. 
So, so what would you recommend for overcoming those kind of blocks when people are aware? Because I think you probably would agree in your therapy office, that's what we hear most often. I think when it boils down, everyone has somewhere inside of them that message that in some way, in some capacity, I'm not enough. You know, there are so many modalities for healing nowadays. One that I'm picking up again after being introduced to it 35 years ago is breath work. So I'm just throwing that in because it's really interesting to me right now. But you can start just by yourself. And breath work is one of the ways that you can start where you don't have to tell anybody what you're exploring. You don't have to sit in an office and talk and you can pay very little for it. And you can begin to let those feelings come up and let those feelings be released. You can read books and you can watch videos and you can watch videos about self-expression or self-love or whatever. There's a lot you can do by yourself. Just get started. But I would also add that, and I don't think just prejudice because I'm a counselor, because I know I need ongoing counseling myself because we need support. We need someone who can think in ways that we don't think to help us reframe the experiences or to help us go back and redo those experiences or to help us release the pain in ways that we could never come up with on our own. So I think there's a tremendous advantage in getting some coaching or counseling And there are lots of things that you can do on your own. But I think what you were saying about just identifying it first and and acknowledging that it's real, coming out of denial, it's just like alcoholism. (laughs) You know, admitting that you're an alcoholic is the first step. And it's the same thing, admitting that I still can see ways that my childhood traumas are still impacting me. And again, I use the word trauma in a very broad, generic way, because I believe that we've all experienced trauma, whether it's a divorce of our parents or it's a new sibling being born and uprooting our feeling that we're the center of the universe. I mean, it could be almost anything, being dyslexic, being ridiculed in front of the class because of something you said or did. It can be something that in retrospect looks so small but it had a huge impact and you can see, oh my God, once I realize that, I can see how I'm terrified of doing presentations at my job or I'm experiencing early ejaculation because I don't want to be in the limelight any longer than I have to be. So it's amazing how the things show up in all different areas. And once you come out of denial about that, it's the beginning of freedom. Well, and I think it can be the beginning of true intimacy with another human being. You know, after we kind of come to terms with that within ourselves, I just think it's so important as far as the intimacy piece. You know, I had a professor in graduate school that put the word intimacy on the board and divided it into three words, which is into me, see. And it's important that we do, like you said, the the self-exploring doing the work ourselves and also with a therapist or a counselor, and then being able, though, to share that inner journey with someone else, whether you're male or female, sharing that vulnerability. And like, wow, I discovered this about myself, and this is a place where I feel messy inside, or this is a shadow piece for me that I'm not comfortable sharing because 
when we share those levels of vulnerability, that's what helps create that deeper emotional bond and the ability to go to those places where sacred sex is really born. I completely agree. And it's so funny. You and I are in such alignment right before you said that I was thinking, and now we get to talk about how that relates to intimacy. So we are in sync. everybody, this is Adrian from Feminist Hot Dog, and I want you to join me and my awesome guests as we put the fun in feminism. It's true. On Feminist Hot Dog, we explore all the ways feminism makes the world a better place, no matter who you are. So come hang out on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Mountain on NOCO FM, and don't forget, love yourself and love your buns. See you on Wednesday. Your support means the world to us. Hi. It's Dr. Natalie Phillips from Connecting a Better World. Everything we do here at NOCO FM is member-supported. From the music we play to our original podcasts and live shows, all of that costs money to produce, and we can't do it without you. Become a member today and invest in the programming you enjoy so we can create more together. Learn more at noco.fm. helping us understand the deeper parts of sexuality that go beyond just the physical touch, that it really is an internal experience and allowing someone to really know our emotions, our experience, and being able to share that with one another. But what about our invisible disabilities that keep us from creating deeper intimacy? The ability to stretch ourselves in several ways, one of them is absolutely, and it's so funny too, because I was just taking notes about my own next podcast episode, which is going to be about invisible disabilities and how to handle them. And, you know, a disability is anything really that interferes in in your ability to be present in different ways. And all these secrets that we have about, oh, I actually have herpes. I I actually have depression. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I can't have orgasms. I'm bipolar. You know, whatever the things are that you're not letting them know early on are things that would actually be helping you develop some intimacy. And it's those things, the willingness to share our vulnerabilities, just like you said, that help us weed out who is really our person and who is not. You know, I can't tell you the number of clients I've had who were dating and they had a date with, or two or three dates with a person and they really like them. And I said, well, have you told them yet that you're an alcoholic or that you're a recovering alcoholic or that you have herpes or you're bipolar? And, and no, 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 no. You know, everybody says don't tell them until later, months down the road after we've developed some closeness. And I always tell them that's, that's lying, really, because you, what you're doing is manipulating them by trying to get some 
perceived connection going before you test it. And it's it feels so authentic to me. I have another client who's a physician and she met a really nice guy she really liked and she had talked to her psychiatrist about well, when should she tell him that she's bipolar? She's extremely well-managed on meds and coaching. But he said, don't say anything for at least three months. And I said, that's BS. You know, don't do that. <laughs> I said, you, you can do whatever you want, of course. But my challenge to you is that if you really want to be authentic and have the foundation of authenticity from early on, you get to tell him. And if he doesn't handle it well, then he's not your guy. And so she went out with him that very night and told him. And he said, I am so honored. I get goosebumps. I'm so honored that you shared that with me. You know, that makes me care about you even more and feel even closer to you. And that's what you're looking for. That's what you want is to share those vulnerabilities openly. And if they don't like them, they're not your person. That's just it. And there's not a limited quantity of people. And sometimes I think our limitations in sacred sex is just our limited beliefs about ourselves. I tell my clients a lot, this guy doesn't have to be Mr. Right. He can be Mr. Right now. And then... You'll see. And if he's not, like you said, if this person is not your person, that's okay. You can find your person or maybe it's your people. You you have to trust that that it's not limited quantity. And there was something else that you said that really struck me about when that client was told by her therapist, don't tell for three months. What a shaming, shaming comment. I know. And she, there was someone else too, another professional person. I can't remember who it was that told her that. And, you know, the thing that made me feel good was though she saw right away what was really the authentic thing to do and she did it. And that made me admire her so much more. And she, every time we come up against one of those things, you know, you've got to tell him that you're disappointed and angry that he's not handling his erectile dysfunction, even though you told him early on that penetration is incredibly important to you. He's like dilly-dallying for months. And it's like, you got to tell him. It's very vulnerable, you know, it's like, ooh, but we have to push ourselves to do that. And and there's another side to that, you know, which is we have to cross the bridge over into that other person's reality also and be willing to embrace their vulnerable parts and their vulnerable parts might not look in a way that you think of as vulnerable. They might be addicted to rage and they hate themselves for it. And their willingness to show that to you and to talk to you about it could be an incredible opening to intimacy if you can be there with them. If we want to share our authentic selves, so I'm hearing you say this, which is exactly the right message, we need to hold the space for others to share and express their authentic selves as well. Right. And sometimes you may find yourself pointing out one of their vulnerabilities. You know, let's say somebody doesn't know that they seem to be addicted to rage. You know, you get to point that out that I've noticed when you seem really anxious or things aren't going your way that you resort to rage. 
And I'd love to support you about that because that's not who you really are. And I, I really want to hold the space for us to walk through that together. You know, it's like, oh my God, I can just feel the guy's heart melting or the woman's heart melting to feel like finally they're safe enough with someone who isn't going to throw them in the trash because they have an invisible disability that is now being exposed. And, you know, that's what we're all looking for. We come from this society that demands that we look perfect. You know, just think of the messages that, that you're given. You don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. I mean, it's like, no, you don't want to let that person know you're upset about that because then they might not like you. I mean, it's just everywhere on and on and on. And so we're all longing for some place that we can be ourselves and still be loved and not thrown out of the tribe. And again, that is such a prerequisite for sacred sexuality because you need that safety of knowing that you have shown yourself to them and they have shown themselves to you. And, you know, that, that does it. It makes me smile because I remember back to my first marriage, I was like, I don't know, 30 years old. And my husband at the time was 10 years younger than I was. And he was like, let's play, you know, we're children discovering. And he said, let me do an exam, you know, let me do a gynecological exam of you and really look in there and let's take the mirror. And it's like, I look back on that as such a breakthrough for me. You know, he wanted to know everything about me. And it it opened up such a feeling of safety in the relationship. And it's that kind of feeling that is going to lead to sacred sexuality is that playful, you know, it doesn't always have to be playful. It can be very serious or very ethereal feeling, but it can also be very playful. That's sacred too. How does consciousness play a role in cultivating an environment that promotes sacred sexuality? How can we bring consciousness to ourselves and our relationship and communicate in a more effective way with our partners? Well, you know, I think one of the most powerful, simplest beliefs or applications really is to bring consciousness to everything that you're doing is bring consciousness, bring awareness, bring presence to everything that's happening. And if you do that, then you're going to notice everything. You're going to notice if the person's going away when you're in a sexual situation. You're going to notice if something feels disconnected or doesn't feel pleasurable. You're going to notice if something really feels wonderful that you want to energize. And you give yourself the freedom to say it. I mean, we've already been talking about that, but that is so important. People, and myself included, I mean, I was old when I realized you can talk during sex and not just in a sexy way. You can say, I need to stop. I need to take a pause. I'm, I'm not feeling connected to my body. I'm not feeling connected to you. You know, can we stop and spoon or cuddle or talk about what's coming up? And it's like, we are not taught that we can do that. It's like a rush to orgasm period. And, and God forbid that a woman should get in the way of her man's orgasm. You know, that is a big social taboo. So that's 
also included in bringing the presence and bringing the consciousness is the freedom to have it turn out any way it does. There is no focus on orgasm as an absolute must. It's an experience we're going to have. And I'll tell you how many clients I have to remind of that. The orgasms are wonderful and they will happen naturally. And you don't have to be obsessed about that. You can just allow every experience to be whatever it is. And it doesn't even have to be pleasant for it to be sacred sexuality. It doesn't even have to be pleasant. It just has to be an experience of intimacy where you talk about everything that happens and you feel that safety and intimacy to allow it to be whatever the universe guides it to be. There's a lot of surrender in that. I wonder too, one of the messages that we've been given so often is that sex is dirty and it needs to happen with the lights off. And so part of this is like, this is a lights on hearts on, be in your body, mind on. Yeah. And so talk about the way to be turned on. It's literally by turning on all these different places within us and truly being able to see. It's seen, maybe it's seen with our hands. It's also seen with our eyes. It's seen with our mind and heart to really fully experience another person. And it's seeing with our third eye, you know, if you understand that concept of just letting the intuitive awareness, if you really let your intuitive awareness open up in sexuality, you may get the idea, oh, I should, maybe I'll lick his finger right now. And it just happens and he says, oh my God, that's it. It's like that creativity that can come through you from a higher dimension of wisdom than you have, opening yourself to that. I love your metaphor of turning the light on. I love that. I'm going to use that for sure. It's like, let there be light (laughs) in every way, you know, in every way, let there be light and let there be freedom from that light. You know, the freedom to be who you are, to say what you like, to say what you don't like, to say when you need to stop, to, to say that you love the person, to say that it doesn't feel right anymore and you need to get some help. I mean, all of those things can be really sacred experiences. And I think, too, the other piece I think that can be really healing is to really see each other's bodies. I mean, really, if we just in the physical sense can look at each other's bodies and be appreciative and loving and nurturing and that they don't have to be this perfect poster image, you know, that's on Saks Fifth Avenue, you know, it's like. No, it's your body in its human form that contains this gorgeous soul that's you. This is beautiful and sensual and sexy, and I want to see all of it. And, you know, I want to talk about two tools that I know of that are triggered by your thought. One of them is the tool of choosing a body part that you don't like. And, you know, let's say for some women, it's their stretch marks. And that's a very common one I hear of. So the exercise is for the man. You know, if you're in a male, female, it can be female, female, doesn't make any difference. But the one who has the stretch marks lies down naked. And the one who is giving 
touches those stretch marks very lovingly and tenderly and talks to those stretch marks and says, oh my God, you are so beautiful. And I love how the the pink flows through your brown skin. And it's like a river going through the landscape that enriches the landscape. And you kiss those stretch marks and you love them and say, I love you so much. And I love what you represent, that you represent the birth of our child and the magic that we created together. And I love being reminded of that sacred connection that we have in the form of your stretch marks. And it's like, it may be a challenge for the man to do that. He might not have loved those stretch marks before, but the process of of being assigned to find what he loves about those stretch marks and to be very specific and effusive about it changes the way he sees them too. And it's a very powerful exercise and don't be inhibited. One guy I know the the part that he hated was his anus and his wife did not want to do this exercise, but it changed a lot for them when she did that when she said, you know, your anus is so beautiful and I love the way it's like a portal, you know, to the insides of you and it allows you to release whatever needs to be released and kissed it and loved it. So that's a really powerful exercise people can do. Another one is something my husband and I do every time we have sexual contact of any kind is to do a ritual you know, we do a sacred ritual beforehand. And in our case, we send each other chi from the source through our third eye, our heart and our genitals. And then he sends it to me. And then we offer our sexuality to the universe to be blessed and then bring it back into our bodies. And that ritual has helped me so much to overcome that feeling that my sexuality was shameful. And I don't feel that because of the repetition of that ritual, that every time we do that, it just reinforces we're in the oneness and our sexuality is a blessing from the universe. It's meant to be. I imagine, too, that helps you let go of that old programming and those old messages that to take this back full circle in the beginning of the interview when you were talking about this conflictual message of like, yeah, let's love everybody and it's okay to be promiscuous and yet that's something to be shameful of. Right. And instead being like, no, the sexual expression and this amazing connection that we share, this is something that we can celebrate and that is so sacred between the two of us. And and it's made a huge difference for him, too. You know, he's fine with me saying this publicly, that he was addicted to porn before we met. And, you know, for a long, long time. And that's something that we worked on in our early marriage. And it's been such a blessing to him, too, because he felt so ashamed of his sexuality. He was molested by a priest when he was a young boy. And it's just like the continuation of traumas, some that we do to ourselves and some that are done to us. And yes, honoring that it's a blessing from the universe can be a very healing experience. Again, that's something you can do yourself. You can create yourself. You know, we have a sacred space in our bedroom. We make our bedroom a sacred space. We play spiritual music. We set out candles. And that's another thing that you can do, whether you're pleasuring yourself or you're with a partner, is to make your space sacred. 
one of the important pieces that you brought up, I want to make sure we're acknowledging, even though we're both female, that the male journey of sexuality as well can be shameful and they can go through so much trauma. And as you shared with your husband, he had his own trauma and that there's also a lot of societal norms and pressure for how they have to look and how masculine they have to be and how sexy they have to be. And, you know, I had George Capanelli on the show several months ago, and he's an Emmy Award winning television and film producer and a just very handsome man. And yet he said at one point in his life, he felt like I became invisible. The older I got, I became invisible. And we were talking about ageism. And so I think men, just as women, have body image issues, intimacy issues. So we're all in this together. And that's the important piece here to acknowledge is we're all in this together and that we can really do this sacred dance together of intimacy and exploring sensuality and sexuality together in a place that really honors both of us. I couldn't agree more. And I just want to make a very brief statement about that. I think we're doing a disservice when we emphasize the differences between men and women. I mean, I'm well aware that men are single focused and women can multitask and all of that. And that there are people, Alison Armstrong was on my show and she's big into that. And I think it's very valuable to learn how to understanding the way a man's mind works. But I think it's way more important to emphasize the similarities that we have, that we all come from a place of insecurity, that we all keep connection, that we all want to be acknowledged as lovable just the way we are. And that we get to remember that when we when we see evidence of the male patriarchy and how it hurt women you know, we get to remember that they are suffering in their own ways. They are acting out that way because they were taught they had to live up to these standards. They ought to be dominating. They ought to be aggressive and, and thrusting. That thrusting energy should always be there and to deny the feminine side of themselves. So it's like we get to have compassion for everybody in the whole system of humanity and let that compassion bring us together in a mutually supportive and loving way. And then we'll have sacred sex all over the place. (laughs) So we're needing to wrap up. So I want to make sure that we talk about just for a moment, at least just let you speak about this beautiful summit on sacred sexuality that you're going to be bringing and when it's going to be available. Just give us a little information about that, Helen. Okay. Well, it's a a summit called Sacred Sexuality Revealed, uh, Secrets to Passionate Intimacy, Deeper Connection, and Lasting Desire. And it's 25 or 26, I'm not sure yet, experts on sacred sexuality, including yours truly, Stephanie James. So don't miss her interview. It was awesome about the 18-inch journey, you know, from the genitals to the heart and how that supports sacred sexuality. But I have some incredible people. Haiti Schleifer is a well-known relationship coach who deals with sacred sexuality. Allison Armstrong is another one. Jonathan Robinson is kind of known everywhere. Dr. John Martini, you know, is a very well-known 
success coach in all areas of life. Some of them young coaches like Kyle Benson, who's got a huge following and has some really, really great advice. And I really focused on being inclusive and getting all ages, all sexes, different racial backgrounds, different sexual orientations, all kinds of different gender identities. So anybody's welcome and you'll find somebody to connect to in this series. And it goes live April 20th, 2020. And you'll always find all the information for that on my Facebook or at at Helen Hillix and Hillix is H-I-L-L-I-X. And it will probably also be if you just go to Sacred Sexuality Revealed. But don't even bother remembering that. Just remember my name and you can find me and it'll be advertised well, I promise you. But I'd love to have you guys listen and watch it because it's a video series and it's free. Um, And you can, you know, just find out tons of incredible information. And every single one of those people, including Stephanie, gives a free gift to you. So you you could have enough information to take with you to last you for a year of, of doing something every single day. So what a beautiful gift. You know, that's just it. So if you enjoyed the episode between Helen and I right now, just know, talk about a power packed series and the summit's going to be our conversation times 10 with all the different experts and all the different knowledge and wisdom and tools. Yeah, yeah. It's so amazing. And I just am so thankful for you, Helen. You are just a light. And the moment that we connected when you interviewed me from that first moment, it's just been a joy to connect to you. And I'm just so thankful you bring this information to the world because Lord knows <laughs> we need this. We need it. We need it. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you, Stephanie. I feel completely similarly that the minute I saw your face, I knew you were my sister 30 years younger. But anyway, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be doing this work. And I want to just say I really admire the work that you're doing, too. And, you know, the gifts that you're bringing every single day to your clients and and to the world through your podcast, through upcoming film and all the things that you're doing. You know, it takes every single one of us to have a real impact on the culture. And together we can do it. Yes, together we can. I was so happy to have Helen Hillix on the show. Sex can be an uncomfortable subject, and Helen is so dedicated to helping us move beyond uncomfortable feelings to embrace our own bodies and more fully embody our own sexuality. She invites us to experience what true intimacy is about and to learn about how to dive deep with our partners, where we can share our true feelings, insecurities, and real selves with one another. It's from that place that we are able to experience what Helen calls sacred sexuality and an intimacy that goes far beyond the sexual act to a place where we can connect soul to soul. It starts with learning to cultivate a loving relationship with yourself and spending time knowing who you are and what you enjoy and knowing your self-worth 
so you can show up more fully in your relationships. Sacred sexuality takes us beyond mere sexual pleasure to a beautiful merging with another where we experience true ecstasy. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.